comes from Daniel chapter 12. I will reread it for you now. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations till then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, my fellow saints. History is written by the victors, Winston Churchill said. If you're reading a history book, you are reading probably the interpretation of events interpreted by the people who are on the winning side. I know some of you enjoy reading historical biographies, learning more about battles and people and names and dates and stuff. It's really cool. Some of you, not so much. That's not your cup of tea, let's say. But I think we can all agree that history is important. It's important to study. That's why you spend so much time at school studying history. You learn something about the people of the past. You take some guesses about where we're headed in the future. History is written by the victors. And for no one is that more true than the history that God gives us in his word, written by the victor. But I could see how someone throughout our services here at Trinity could experience a little bit of what we might call historical whiplash. Every Sunday here at Trinity, and this is common among other churches, we have three lessons, right? First lessons from the Old Testament. Old, as in a long time ago is when these lessons come from. Then there's the second lesson and the gospel lesson, which are from the New Testament, which is new, but is still really old. Almost 2,000 years ago, these lessons were written. So think of it. In one Sunday here at Trinity, between three short little verses of, of Scripture, we are zooming back and forth from thousands and thousands of years of human history. And for the past couple weeks in our sermons, we have been shooting back and forth. If you were on a roller coaster and the track was the timeline of human history, we started a couple weeks ago in Babylonian exile when the Israelites were in Babylonian captivity. The, a couple weeks ago, we were with Daniel in about 540 B.C. Then last week, we were with Malachi, a hundred years later. Boom, there goes the roller coaster, and now we're back with Daniel again. Back and forth, back and forth. It can get exhausting, right? But it's important to know the history, the who, what, when, where, and why of Scripture. And here we are, back with Daniel in chapter 12 of his pro prophetic book, and things are looking positive. Yeah, we're back in exile. Yeah, we're back in Babylon. But exile's about to be over. Pretty soon, this big nation, Babylon, who has their tight fist around the Israelites, pretty soon they will be conquered by the Persians. And the Persians will come in, and they will have a different plan for the Israelite captives. They will send them home. They will let them go back 
to their home nation and rebuild the temple, rebuild their homes, rebuild their walls. It will be great. And Daniel knows this because he's read his Bible. He knows God's prophecies about how things are going to go. And so he's crunching his numbers, he's doing his calculations, and he prays up to God and he says, God, the time's coming. Pretty soon we get to go home, right? And he's excited, as I'm sure all of us would be. But the way that God answers Daniel's prayer is by giving him a little bit more information than he was even asking for. God sends Daniel into this trance, this vision state, and all of a sudden Daniel's seeing all this crazy stuff, giant animals and beasts and symbols and crazy things. God is giving him a front row seat through these visions into the next thousands upon thousands of years of human history represented by these very tough-to-deal-with symbols. And God's message is clear. Daniel, if you're excited to go home, that's great, but the freedom that you enjoy is not going to last forever. Daniel, if you're excited to finally be out from under the tight, the tight grip of a nation of a power over you like Babylon, yeah, you will enjoy a little rest, but not for long. And it was true. Because after Babylon came Persia, after Persia was just another kingdom that came in and took control. That's kind of how history works, right? Those of you who have studied it, who have poured over it, You've read the names, you hear the dates, you hear about the battles, this country takes over that country, this happens, all this big picture stuff, right? But what's hard for us to remember when studying history are the lives that hang in the balance. When the Israelites were carted off to exile in Babylon, that meant that families had to grow, kids had to grow up without their father at home because their father was taken away from them. Friends had to say goodbye, not realizing, not knowing if it was going to be the last time in their entire lives. But that's kind of how history works. There are all these powers above us making these decisions, making these actions that affect us directly. And sometimes it feels like we can't do a thing to stop it. Sometimes it feels like our perspectives, our benefit, our point of view isn't taken into consideration at all makes you feel pretty insignificant, pretty small. Like we are just beach balls atop a sea of human history that's wavy and tossing us about, and we have no say in what direction all this is headed. We can just watch, and that's it. But there is a power, there is a, an authority that doesn't care what you think, it will just act. It doesn't care what your, what your perspective on life is, it will just make its own decisions. That power, that authority is the great equalizer, death. And death comes for all of us, doesn't it? Think of the, the greatest, most powerful person who ever lived, and that is still all that they are. A person who lived, and they reside in a grave somewhere. Whether it's a big, ornate, beautiful grave like a pyramid in ancient Egypt, or just a normal casket in a normal cemetery, death seems to have the final word. Death seems to cut, come in and cut you down and render all of your life 
insignificant, doesn't it? Because if one thing is true about human history, it's that ever since sin came into human history, we have been on this cycle of sin and death. We are unable to stop the wheels of history from turning, just like we're unable to stop ourselves from sinning. God reveals to Daniel and you and me that the cycle of history, it's not going to get better. The human race is not going to improve. There will be a time of distress, God says. Unlike any other, things are going to get worse. Makes you feel pretty insignificant, pretty small. Neil deGrasse Tyson the scientist, the atheist, he was being interviewed by Larry King, who is now deceased. And Larry King asked Neil deGrasse Tyson what his views on the afterlife are. And of course, he has no views of the afterlife. He doesn't believe in spirituality. He doesn't believe in God. And he says that's good. It's good not to believe in an afterlife, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, because it makes the present moment so urgent. I have to love my neighbor right now. I have to serve my community right now. I have to help people right now because there is no afterlife. He says if, we, if there was an afterlife, there's no motivation to live, to love, to serve right now because you can just put it off. Whether or not you agree with his beliefs, there is something to be said for it, right? That we're on this earth for a reason. We agree with the desire to be significant in other people's lives, to be helpful, to leave our mark on the world, and we want to be able to do that, don't we? The problem is that death will come, and afterwards you can only hope that your attempts to help people were effective. Yeah, you can strive, you can try to love, to serve, do everything right, to help your community now, but what if you're unsuccessful and then you die? Won't you feel pretty small, pretty insignificant? But that's what Daniel 12, the vision that God gave Daniel and to us, is all about. A real reason to feel significant. A real reason not to be small, but to see how big you are on the timeline of human history. And it doesn't come from giving you some sort of political power or political influence. It doesn't come from, from giving you a list of things to do in your community to finally prove yourself and matter. No, it comes from who we are shown. Because God peels back the curtain and he shows Daniel something and us to show us how significant we are. He shows us Michael. One of the few angels in the Bible to be named, his name is a question. Who is like God? And of course the answer is nobody. So Michael's very identity is a, is a song of praise to God. And he's the archangel, Paul said. He's the captain of God's armies. He's in charge. He's in control of all the angel armies. He's a powerful, powerful guy. And here he is on the scene. Daniel sees him. And what is he doing? He's not conquering nations. He's not toppling governments. Michael is the prince who protects your people, Daniel, who protects you. Michael, the leader of the angels, is privileged with the position of taking care of you because God cares about you. 
Yes, human history turns, uh, the wheels of history turn and turn. Yes, things are going to get worse before they get better. But this is how much God loves you, that no matter what's happening out there, he sends his angels to guard and protect you. Why you? As insignificant and small as you are, why would God look with any sort of care, with any sort of attention at you? It's because your names, fellow saints, are written in the book of life. When Jesus Christ came to this earth to live in your place and to die as a sinner, on that cross, he was suffering the everlasting shame and contempt that all our sins deserved. So that by his resurrection, he could promise us eternal life. He could write our names into the book of life, the divine guest list of God. You have a seat at the table in God's banquet in heaven through Jesus Christ. And this promise was connected to you when water was cascading over your head in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When by the word God convicted and convinced you that Jesus Christ is your Lord. And this connection to this promise is strengthened every time you come to God's table for Holy Communion. God cares so much about you. He is not like a politician who will stand behind a podium and lie through their teeth to get your vote, and then once they get it, will turn tail and run in the opposite direction. He is not someone who's just trying to convince you that he's on your side, convince you that he has your best interest in mind. He actually does. And you see the proof on the cross, how much God is on your side, how he does have your best interest in mind. No one cares about you like God does. And no one controls and has authority like God does. The way that history unfolds, the big names, the big dates, the big battles that can make us feel like we're just pawns in this great chess game of human life. But we're not. God says the, the, those big names, those big power players, those are the pawns because he controls the board. He is in control of history, and he has your best interests in mind. That's your God who has clothed you with the holiness of his Son, written your name in the book of life, made you his saint. So Neil deGrasse Tyson is wrong. There is an afterlife. But the reason to love, the reason to live, the reason to serve is not because of fear of death, what is there to be afraid of with death? Did you notice that in our second lesson, as well as Daniel, death is called a sleep. It's taking a nap. It's just a little break. Death has been defanged. Death has been declawed. Death, your death is not the time that you stop being significant. No, the reason to love, the reason to live, the reason to serve right now is not because death is coming, but because eternal life is coming. Because your significance does not end with your death. It continues on into everlasting life and glory with God. Did you hear what you are called in Daniel chapter 12? You are called wise. You are called those who are wise. You are wise because of what you know. You know the God 
who controls history, who is in charge. And you know by experience how much he loves you, how much he has forgiven you. You know that there is an afterlife and that your name is written in the book of life by the grace of God alone, not because of anything you have done. So you are wise in the way of salvation. And you are called leaders. Leaders to righteousness. Do you believe it? Do you feel like a leader? Or do you feel more like a victim? More like a pawn? More like your opinion? More like your actions don't matter? Do you feel significant like a leader or not? If you don't, consider this. Consider how hard it was to get out of bed this morning. How your pillow was crying your name just a couple hours more of sleep. This is your only other day off and you blew Saturday, so why not just sleep in? But no, you got up, you got ready, and you're here. Consider how you had to fight with your kids to get ready for church and how many times you had to remind them, get your clothes on, we're going, we're going. Consider how when the KFC is on the table, you take a quick second to fold hands together as a family and thank your Lord for the gift of that meal. Consider how there are a million things you have to get done within a 24-hour period, but you include as one of them reading God's word, praying to your Lord, expressing your relationship with God. Consider how often Jesus' name is on your lips in conversation when people ask, why are you so confident? Why are you so at peace with everything going on in human history? And you raise up the name of your Savior. It's because of my Lord. What are you doing? You are leading to righteousness. What does the wor world call all that, all those actions? Being a bigot? ramming your beliefs down other people's throats, being a dork, wasting your time. What does God call it? Shining like a star, leading to righteousness, doing the one thing that lasts for eternity. Because when you hang it up and you close your eyes and enter into that sleep of death, it's not going to matter how many books you read it's not going to matter how many relationships you had where you just got along and you never said anything controversial or brought up Jesus. It's not going to matter how many followers you had online. It's not going to matter what your GPA was. The only thing that's going to matter is that your name is written in the book of life. And you brought your wisdom and the righteousness through Christ and you shared it with others so that other people can join you in the glory of God in heaven. So who are the real history makers? They're you. You are making history. Right this very second. By your presence. Sharing time with us in God's house. Being in the word. Encouraging other people. You are making history. So other people out there, they, they use their power. They lord it over each other. But you, you are the real history makers. Because you are the saints of God. You are God's holy people, a kingdom and priests declaring God's praises with your life. You are doing the things that truly matter through God, through his grace, 
you are his saint. And God's saints, we make history. Amen.